Welcome to It Didn't Break Me, a podcast where we have honest and vulnerable conversations around the messy stuff we didn't think we'd come back from, inspiring you to give yourself permission to discover the beauty within the mess and to let go the illusion of perfection. I'm your host, Bianca Keisha Hughes. Hello there. Welcome to the It Didn't Break Me podcast. I am your host, Bianca Keisha Hughes, and I am very grateful to have you here. Just a quick reminder that there is an option to leave a voicemail on the website, itdidn'tbreakme.com, and you can leave your voicemail just sharing something you thought would break you that didn't, just a quick two to three minutes, and I will be sharing that on the podcast, and feel free to um, leave your name, and if not, you can be totally anonymous. So again, as always, I have an amazing guest sharing their story of something they thought would break them, but it didn't. And they're still here, courageously sharing their light. Tina Morales is a Christian Puerto Rican woman who serves the community as a therapist and speaker. In her counseling practice, Tina helps couples uncover what keeps them stuck so they can co-construct their relationship with more clarity. When speaking, Tina captivates audiences with her playful and profound messages around self-worth and identity. In 2019, Tina founded Living in Light LLC as a platform to spread awareness about relational health and wellness through resources and community events. Please don't hesitate to reach out to her if you'd like to learn more and her information is in the show notes. So let's go ahead and get into this conversation. Hello, Tina, and welcome to the It Didn't Break Me podcast. Thank you for having me. It is a pleasure to have you here. I yes. know you have a wonderful story to share. So I'm going to get right into it. What is something you thought would break you, but it didn't? Um, I love this question. So very short answer to that would be uh, loneliness. What I thought would break me and didn't. Loneliness and this sense of thinking I had no value. Mm. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. mm, okay. <laughs> I can sure. give you I can give you the context and I can give you the background so, so let's, that led up to that. So let's go back to that. Let's go get yeah. the context and the background story. Tell us a yeah. bit more. Yeah. So this is this is a time back in my early 20s. Just graduated from college. My college experience was phenomenal. Um <laughs> I I went to three different universities, three different states, graduated in four years. Um, Just fun part of my story, I like to travel. (laughs) Uh, Started in New York, went back to Massachusetts where I'm originally from, went to Florida, so Miami, Florida, my third year of college, and then went back to Massachusetts for my last year. Mm -hmm. Graduated from there, loved, loved college. After college and before grad school was this season of four years where I went back home, which was, which for me is Massachusetts. And I started working. 
Uh, I was working for state government back in Massachusetts. And then I was also bartending and waitressing at a restaurant uh, where my older sister was also the manager there. Okay. So that season of life was very like, I'm done. I have my degree. I'm out of college. Check that box. Like that, that meant a lot to me. I was like, okay. A friend of mine during that time when we graduated college, she was just like, we're in like, she talked about like us being in like a percentile of people with a bachelor's degree. So it's like, it felt good of like mm. me being a person of color to have a bachelor's degree was just kind of like, it elevated me a little bit, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Then I was working for state government. At the time I was like, I am making such good money. <laughs> <laughs> On top of that, I am working at a restaurant where I get paid tips. So I'm making even more money and I am walking home with cash every day. Mm-hmm. And Bianca, when I tell you, I was working at the state government job from nine to five. It was a typical nine to five. I would literally travel, get on the train after work at five o'clock to go start my shift at the restaurant at six. And I would work there till two o'clock in the morning, one or two o'clock in the morning. How many days a week? <laughs> I think I did that four to five days a week. Oh, wow. Okay. I have no idea how I did that (laughs) because I love sleep Mm -hmm. now in this Mm -hmm. current phase of life. So all that to say, I was making great money. I'm Mm -hmm. young, just graduated college, 21 years old. Also, um, I went to the club religiously every Friday, every maybe every other Saturday, but I was at the club a lot. And I'm going to share an aspect of this just to kind of like really give you a hint of when I say I went to the club a lot, I, I was out partying every weekend to the point where when I would go to the club, these people knew me and would, they would greet me with like a double kiss on the side. Right. Mm. Right. And so as a young person, I'm like, okay, cool. Got all this money. Felt good about myself going to the club these people know me mm. so I felt like oh I'm accepted I'm I'm valuable here also part of my story I was I was in a toxic relationship at the time mm-hmm. but for me being in a relationship was also something that said if someone has decided to choose me then that also gave me value oh okay oh so yes. we're talking money job being known, being in a relationship with the things for you that gave you value at that time. Yes. Okay. Okay. So fast forward to, I was doing this for like, man, that was like a good two to three years. Mm -hmm. And that's a lot of time. That's a lot of time to be in this. Um, And then uh, around, I can't remember what year it was, but two to three years after that, Oh, I was also living with my sister. Sorry, completely forgot that. <laughs> I was living with my sister. Me and my my older sister had an apartment. So I had this freedom. I had this independence. I was mm-hmm. like just checking off all the boxes. Then at that time, my sister's boyfriend at the time passed away. And that hit us. Like that was like, it rocked mm. our world. Mm. I will never forget the day that I woke up in the middle of the night and I just heard her like like screaming and like bawling crying and I ran over to her room like you know what happened 
And she just looked at me and she said, he's dead. And she was, Mm -hmm. she had gotten a phone call from his mother. And that was the beginning of what I call like a season where things were taken away. Okay. Right. So he passed away from there. I was still in this toxic relationship where I became the worst version of myself that I didn't even know existed. Mm. Um, in what way? What I mean by that is it was such a toxic relationship that I felt like this person didn't understand me, didn't hear me. And it brought out this side of me that was so angry mm-hmm. where I was physically abusive Wow! to my partner, pushing, pushing, hitting to try to get the person to hear me like pay attention to me, like hear me, like I'm trying to talk. And it was bad. It was, it was the ugliest version of myself that I didn't know existed. Um, so that was happening. I, like I said, my sister's boyfriend at the time had passed away. In that season, me and my sister were again, living, living with each other. And she stopped working because she was going through her own grief process and, mm-hmm. and depression. And so I started paying my bills, her bills and our bills and all this money that I thought I had that I accumulated started going away. Ooh. I ended up, I think during that season, towards the end of that season, I think I remember having like $4 left in my savings account. Like it was so bad. to the And point you had, that, you had what previously? Say that again. How much did you have before you had the $4? Oh gosh. I don't even know. But when I tell you, it just felt like it was flowing. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I, like I said, I would walk home with cash every night because I was mm-hmm. waitressing, but then I would also get like a ridiculous nice check from state government. Also, yeah. I was in my young twenties. So I thought it was buku money. <laughs> right. Um, but you had $4. In the I had four dollars in the savings account. Had to move back in with my mom. Ooh, yeah. And I don't know about you, but any person that has gone off to college who started living on their own, you do not want to move back in with your parents. <laughs> like that's just not what you've ever envisioned for yourself. For me, it felt like a huge step back. Mm. Um, I stopped going to the club as much, um, which is again where I thought I had all this value and acceptance that relationship was so toxic and rocky. And I was this, and I, I use the word I was physically abusive because I want to, I want to acknowledge the fact that as women, we can also be that mm-hmm. a yeah. lot of times it's this idea that only men are physically abusive and no, I wasn't punching him, but I was pushing this man. I was hitting this man with my with my hands, like open hands, but still that's abuse. Yeah. Right. And so I, I, I share that because I wanted to make it very clear that that's not okay um, to do to anybody. The man never hit me. He was never aggressive back towards me. So I, I share that part of my story. Cause I do think it's important to know that mm-hmm. it's not okay. Yeah. Um, moved back in with my mom. I was in that relationship. I also lost a friendship, which I had never experienced before in my life. Like a friend, me and a friend were not on good terms anymore. Yeah. And that that rocked me a little bit because yeah. I I was really, really close with friends and I have friends, I have friends to this day that I've met in middle school. And it's just it that one rocked me too. So this was all happening in the same amount, same time. 
money was depleted, lost the apartment with me and my sister. My sister moved in with a cousin. I'm back in with my mom. That relationship was toxic and we were on and off, um, lost a friendship. And I just truly felt like, okay, um, what is wrong with me? And I went through a serious depression during that season where I literally every morning when I would wake up, I had to try, I remember telling myself, forcing myself to say, okay, Tina, you're going to get up today and you're going to try and make today a good day. Wow. It was just, it was an, it was a struggle and a really serious effort. And I, yeah, I now want to highlight that because when you, because you said that when you had depression and often people feel like if it's depression that you just can just snap out of it. And that is just so easy to do. And um, I just think it's so important to highlight that it's, it's, it is a struggle. It's a very serious struggle. And I always share that I've experienced depression and I'm, I, I was, I'm going to say, I have a privilege. I know when, what depression looks like mm-hmm. and I know it can happen very quickly. Um, for those who don't know, um, mm-hmm. it's an onset of two weeks where anxiety is an onset of six months. And so most people mm-hmm. don't really realize that, but I knew the change as soon as it was happening and knew oh, what yeah. I had to do, but you don't necessarily know what you have to do when it comes on. mm and so you have to figure it out. Absolutely. Yeah. You like don't know. For me, it really felt like trying to survive kind of feels like the word that I'm, that's mm-hmm. coming to my mind, but it was literally like that criteria where it's like, like you truly lose interest in pleasure and things that were once pleasurable. Like it was so hard for me to get up out of bed. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't even have interest in going about my day. And I literally think about that now. And I'm just like, wow, God, I am, I am so grateful that I haven't experienced that in such a long time, because I truly know like the depth of that, how hard and difficult it was to get above the bed. Mm. Um, I lost so much weight during that season. And it's funny because I didn't even notice it. So for me, for some people, when they're going through struggles, they eat more. For me, I eat less. Right. Mm. And so I lost so much weight and it's, it didn't dawn on me until people started looking and they're like, T like you look real skinny and me growing up. I was a thick girl. Okay. (laughs) I had some hips and some, I know people can't see me, but you know, I had, I had a lot going on and I did, I lost a lot of weight and skinny was never a word that I thought would equate to me. Mm -hmm. Um, but people pointed it out and then they started showing me pictures of myself and it was like, whoa, like it was a little scary to think how I lost so much weight in such a short amount of time. It was probably mm-hmm. in the span of like a few, a couple mm-hmm. months. Wow. I heard you say something along the lines of what's wrong with me. Mm-hmm. And I always explain to people, you know, things happen. It's not that something is wrong with you, but what led you to ask that question? What's wrong with me? We might be going into another story, but I will share. (laughs) So the what's wrong with me question, I think came from a place of, and also a history of being taught that I had to have it all together. Mm. Like this, 
image of everything is good. I'm again, I got the degree. I got a good job. I got people who love me at the club. Goodness gracious. If I can just put a little plug, <laughs> please don't get your value and acceptance from people at the club. <laughs> um, but like, it was just, it was a lot of like performance oriented. If I can perform, then I am good. Mm. I am loved. I am accepted. And so this idea of what's wrong with me, I couldn't perform anymore. I was literally like, I was depleted. I was drained. I didn't want to perform. And I felt like I had to. I had to get up and I had to go to work and I didn't want to do it. The relationship I was in wasn't going well. And it was also, what's wrong with me? Mm-hmm. I should be able to make this work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As if I am the only person in this relationship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think that question of what's wrong with me really came from this false narrative that I continue to this day to have to challenge that says that everything that I, one that I have to perform and that I have to look a certain way to be accepted or mm-hmm. valued. Mm-hmm. Okay. All these things are going away. And so it's, you got this question, what's wrong with me? You're experiencing depression because, and also you've had a loss, right? So let's not forget that you're losing, you know, your sister's boyfriend. It might not have been your boyfriend, but it's cool. But you've lose, lost your sister as you know it and her ability to do things. You lose your home. Um, and so, yes, you're losing these things you have value in, but then you're also losing, that's, that's still valid. And you're also losing like this people as you know it. Yeah. Yeah. I think I also in that season, I truly lost a sense of myself. Mm-hmm. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know who I was based off of what I thought I knew I was. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And so I truly, that was a season of complete, like loss of everything. Like I talk about that season as like a season of being stripped. Everything was stripped away, like to the bare bone. And it forced me to really ask tough questions of like, one, what motivates me? What am I doing with my life? What, like truly, where do I find value and acceptance? Because all those things that I thought is where I found value and acceptance were all taken away. Mm. And the one thing about my story, I grew up, I was raised in a Catholic home. Mm -hmm. And so I was raised with faith. And um, during that season, I talk about college and those few years after is like where I could just kind of like, just lived my wild life and just did whatever I wanted to do. Uh, But it's also a season where I found a whole lot of value and acceptance in a lot of externals. Mm. Um, And so when this stripping, it was really like a stripping away season, our cousin invited us to church and it was a uh, a non-denominational church um, back in Massachusetts. If I can make a plug, it's called Grace Church. Absolutely love it. (laughs) but we went to church and, and I say we, cause me and my sister went together. Okay. Um, also 
part of the story. I just think it's a beautiful thing. Like God gave me a partner in that season, which was my sister, Mm -hmm. even though we were both struggling with our two very different things, we were experiencing the same sorts of traumas Mm -hmm. um, together. We went to church and the message was about the, the pastor was, uh, had this image and I'm a very visual learner. So it, it really got me. He had this image of like water bottles and chips and, and cookies and like all these things that were like in a bucket and how, you know, someone says and puts it on the bucket and said, here, this is all for you. And then the person who gave you this stuff said, can I have some of it back? And I was like, no, 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 this is mine. Well, this is what the pastor said. No, 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 this is mine. And how we literally are given all these things from a source, Mm -hmm. uh, from God, who is literally our source, our provider, literally the one who provides us with all these things. And I take it as if it's my own, as if all these things that I had were because of my doing, were because of, because of me, like Mm -hmm. I was not willing to give any of it back. And the pastor was just giving this message, this visual where he took it all away and because I wasn't willing to give back a portion of it. Mm-hmm. Right. And I just remember thinking like, well, like me and my sister that first day were just like a puddle, a puddle of tears. Cause it, it really reminded me or really like, it was like a heart check of like, you know what T and I know this is the way that God works with me. He's like, if you're not going to do it, if you're not going to hear me when I'm trying to whisper things to you, we just going to make it real loud and we're just going to take it all away. <laughs> and so it really was like, I truly felt like in that season, God had taken everything away from me because I was putting my value and acceptance in things that were not where my mm-hmm. value and acceptance lie. Mm-hmm. And he was essentially saying like, I need you to come back to me. I need you to literally return here and know that you are valuable and you are accepted and you are loved and you are a masterpiece. Like you are all these things because you are mine, not Mm -hmm. because of anything that you do, not because of anything that you're not doing. You can't earn your acceptance with me and nothing that you can do can take it away. Wow. And it was literally a season where I was just like grounded in my man. It was hard for me because, again, I grew up with traditions and customs that were like, these are things that you have to do. To, As a Catholic. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Like, these are things you have to do to earn God's acceptance. And I just always, I mean, growing up, I very much felt just unworthy and dirty. And like, when I, my view of God was like, oh, he's looking down on me and like this little peasant, like do all these things to, to be right with me. And I had to relearn that like, God loves me and mm-hmm. accepts me just as I am wherever I am. Mm-hmm. And when my heart started to shift in that, when I started to realize like, oh, there is nothing that I can do to earn this. And there's nothing mm-hmm. that I can do that will make it go away. There was mm-hmm. like this sense of overwhelming, just gratitude and groundedness and blessing where it's just like, I do certain things now because I want to, not because I feel like I have to prove myself to do it. Yeah, yeah. And that that blew my mind and it, it started a journey for me of true healing. 
where I had to even re rewire the way I related to myself. Because I would say, if I'm not doing certain things or if I'm not performing a certain way, that I am less than, that I'm not mm. as valuable, that I'm not good enough. Oh gosh, and I could, I could go on, but like it really rewired the way that I even related to myself, that I can wow. accept me fully because God already does. Has the need for things to be perfect prevented you from something that you wanted to do? Sing karaoke, write a book, create a podcast but you just don't feel like you have enough or you know enough or that you're even enough I get it I have been in the depths of perfectionism where I attach my performance to my self-worth so I wrote the ebook I wish I had when I first discovered I was struggling with perfectionism in it's okay to be imperfect I help you identify and understand perfectionism in your life so that you can successfully manage your thoughts. It includes practical tips and resources to implement in your daily life for you to take back your life from perfectionism and begin to truly see yourself outside of your performance. Grab your copy of It's Okay to Be Imperfect. Link is in the show notes. It kind of reminds me of um, as you have working on those posts or whatever posts on social media about perfectionism and how it shows up in your faith. Mm. And that's what it kind of reminds me of that sense of not good enough or if I'm not doing this or if I'm not reading my Bible or if I'm not praying enough or praying as then then I'm not a good Christian or a, a God yeah. is, you know, I'm not doing these things to perform to earn God's love. And it's not something that I have to earn it's something that I already have and you have to know that yeah. so yeah that 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 it's makes not something sense. I could earn even if I try no no <laughs> no so that really resonates so tell me start kind of take us through the things that helps you to get to where you are you know a short synopsis of the things you know that journey of where you are today how you got there because it started in church and then I'm sure that wasn't all the things that have helped you or kind of got you out that depression? No, um, I will say though at church, so one, going to church and listening to those messages, truly it was a heart shift. I just, I, I think we focus too much on behavior shifts, thinking that'll get us some sort of result. Um, and for me, it was truly a heart shift. Like I had to, there was a rewiring of my heart and mind to know that okay, I'm, I'm valued and I'm accepted. Again, this is like, I can't focus too much on the behavior. So going to church and hearing those messages and truly being taught the word of truly how God loves us, what Jesus has done for us, like that was huge. Um, being supported, I, w- I was in a small group. So being supported in community was huge too. Because one of the biggest things for me was isolation and loneliness where I truly believe that, goodness, um, there is so much that loves to play in the dark and mm-hmm. essentially convince us of 
our lack of worthiness, our lack of acceptance. So being in community was super helpful, like being able to like share my story with people and some of the things that I thought was dirty and ugly and they were like loving on me. They were mm. accepting me. They were like, I hear you. Mm. I, I, I get it. Like they were very validating. Mm. Um, and then, so I think community was huge. Um, people loving on me and validating me, even when I felt dirty and low and all those things. Um, then I went to grad school, which I think <laughs> I, I truly think that was like a ridiculous blessing because it was, I was like surrounded with so much knowledge and education. Like I had to really relearn my mind my relationship systems, mm-hmm. um, all those things. So I think education was key. Like we only know as much as we've been exposed to. Mm. I so, think, yeah. So I'm gonna do a plug. Please <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. I'm gonna share. Uh, Tina and I went to the same grad school counseling. <laughs> So I'm not going to hide. I don't know how that's show people. So I'm biased and I agree with her and I totally get what she's saying. But I'm going to do a plug for the school because yeah. I think that because I went to the school and I someone said to me, it's literally like you go there. You think, you know, all these things you get torn down, you go, you relearn and then you leave and go here. You're ready now. Go out. Bye. Like It's like. Oh, like it literally does this whole heart check, the grace you receive there, the understanding. Um, people were just so kind, so compassionate mm-hmm. um, in that experience. So it's not just that we went to grad school to get mm-hmm. our counseling masters. No, we had a, an experience, like a personal experience. Yes. It wasn't just about education, Tina. No, <laughs> no, it wasn't. It was never about it. So I could totally relate to that because I went and I know what's happened to me going there um, and still things I'm very thankful for. So I can totally relate. So I'm just going to give a little plug for our grad school, Richmond University. Yes. <laughs> if anyone yeah. is interesting in doing ministry or counseling um, there, it's, it's phenomenal. And I'm biased about anyone who goes there and I don't same. care. <laughs> yes. Yes. Thank you. I'm the same, but I'm with you. I, I do think there are like three pillars that are necessary. I do think education is one of them, like mm-hmm. really relearning mm-hmm. or challenging what you think you know, right? Like, cause we can get so stuck in our, in our knowledge base. So education, um, experience is mm-hmm. the other, it's all three E's, mm-hmm. um, experience, which is truly, that's where I think the heart change comes in. It's Mm -hmm. not just about changing your mind or it's not just about changing your behavior. It's about changing your heart posture with certain things, which is all connected. And then empowerment, Mm -hmm. where you are literally encouraged and empowered to like, you have everything that you need. Mm. Sometimes we just don't believe it. No, we don't. (laughs) I can, I can admit that sometimes that, you know, we have to be reminded. I know I have to be reminded that we do really have everything inside of us. Wow. Yes. Yes. So those would be the three, the three E's that I think are super powerful. 
I'm going to add a fourth E. Hmm. Just, it just came to me right now. I'm going to do it. I think that fourth E is expressing, expressiveness, hmm. expression, whatever, which is literally the way I would describe that is like the willingness to share the stuff that's in the hidden places in your life, obviously with people who are safe and who are trustworthy. Yeah. Um, but I think again, when we keep things in the dark, that's what keeps us stuck. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't, for me, I, speaking of our graduate university, when I walked up in that building and I knew it was for, uh, mental health counseling and I knew it was a Christian university, I was just kind of like, oh, these people are going to see right through me. They're going to see the filth. They're going to see how wild I am. They're going to see just like the things that I had so much shame about in my life. I just thought that they were going to see right through me like this. I felt transparent. And there's a part of me that wanted to like not share my story, to not share the things that I've gone through or the things that I've done or whatever, because I, again, I thought that that would um, mm -hmm. disqualify what God mm. could do with me. Ooh. So I would say express or share. Yeah, I love that. I hope you write that down. If not, you could just listen back to the podcast. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, so where are you today? Ooh, where am I today? I will say this season for me has been a season where I've been really intentional about practicing rhythms of rest. That's what I've been calling it. Mm -hmm. And it's a rhythm because I, I know I can get really like structured and like scheduled. And so I like to try and challenge myself and say, this is a rhythm. Like mm. this is my rhythm of rest because when I'm, I think being, you were just talking about when I'm focused on something, I'm fully in it mm -hmm. and that can come to my detriment sometimes. Mm -hmm. So where I am today professionally is that I'm, you know, I am a couples therapist now. Um, I'm also doing speaking engagements. I'm actually at the place where I think I wanted to be, but I never truly believed I could be. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm there. I'm also married. I'm in a healthy marriage, which again, I wanted, but I didn't actually believe could happen. I truly just am in a season where I am practicing these rhythms of rest and really grounding myself in how God sees me, but also trying to like say like, okay, who I am is more than what I do. Mm, yeah. So that's kind of, that's where I'm at. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I have a one, one or two last questions. I know you mentioned being a, a woman of color mm -hmm. and in particularly your culture. Boricua. <laughs> from Puerto Rico um has that in any way played in your sense of identity in your experience that we yes. kind of mentioned absolutely um yes so in terms of identity I take a lot of pride in my culture and being Puerto Rican um there's just there's so much pride that I have with my my people I just mm -hmm. I get super excited I, I love I love my people but I love Hispanic people in general but how that has played into some of my it's played into some of my challenges specifically mm -hmm. um 
because of this idea that somehow this goes back into the, the performing and the earning. Mm-hmm. One, it's really played into the fact that it's almost like I've had to like prove my Puerto Ricanness mm. by speaking Spanish, by making certain foods, by dancing to certain music. And there has been times where people, I've experienced people saying like, well, you're not really Puerto Rican because you weren't born on the island or that you don't speak Spanish perfectly or, you know, whatever it is. Like, again, it's this, like somehow I have to earn it. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, I don't, I don't have to earn it. This is who I am. Right. And this is what it looks like in this Mm -hmm. form of me. Um, But then also growing up in in systems and cultures where it's primarily black and white. And it's always been this question of where do I fit in? Mm -hmm. Um, So that's also played into that. How am I valued and accepted here if I don't fit into all these different boxes? And God has done a work in me that he's just like, I created you the way I created you for a specific purpose. And I put you where I put you because you weren't meant to fit in. You were meant to stand out. And so- Yes. <laughs> I love that. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Is there anything you want to share with the listener? Any last words you want to share? Mm. You've said a lot. So if you don't have I anything did. to add, add, it's okay. <laughs> I think the last thing I would share, just like reiterate is, um, man, really be curious about who you are outside of what you do and be aware of like your motivations for the things that you do. Is it, am I doing this to prove something? Am I doing this looking for some sort of result or reward? Or am I doing this because I want to? Mm. Because it's coming out of a place of overflow. Um, Or because I'm really passionate about sharing something. That, I would just reiterate that. Because again, our value and our acceptance is secure. Okay. Okay. So my favorite question, what is something messy in your life today? A little bit of everything. No, um, (laughs) what's something messy in my life? To be honest, um, I was thinking about this. Something that's probably messy in my life right now is I shared I'm married. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's the, the, the partnering of sexual intimacy and wanting to have children Mm. it's it's messy I will I will say that it's messy because sexual intimacy is so raw and wanting we want it to be pure Mm -hmm. um but of course I just shared your girl was had as a history of struggles <laughs> where I tried to be valued and accepted in relationships, um, in relationships with other men. And I know I want to have children, but I don't want sex to just be an act where it's, we're doing it just for the result. Mm-hmm. Like sexual intimacy is such a complex, beautiful thing that can be messy sometimes. And again, why am I doing it? Am I trying to be valued and accepted? Am I trying mm. to? So many, so many questions in there. Oh, um, so yeah, I would, uh, the raw realness is that, that I think is a messy area. Wow. Thank you. That was, yeah. I thank you for that honesty. 
and I appreciate you share that as a married person because some people you know or someone who's in a long-term relationship because some people are like oh once you get married it's it's swinging from the chandeliers but um, how can <laughs> where can people find you to shower you with love oh to shower you with love I love yeah that. um so you can find me on well my website is www.livinginlightllc.com uh and then on instagram facebook linkedin is all at living in light llc okay perfect 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 well thank you so much um i put all of that information in the show notes and it has been a pleasure to have you tina thank you so much bianca i appreciate sharing the space (laughs) you're welcome listen listen you know that little boy listen linda listen but um listen I'm just going to tell you, like I mentioned, I went to grad school and Tina is a friend of mine and we had to have a conversation after this podcast because she said so many great things um, and dropped a lot, lot of gems. So I'm just going to give a short synopsis of what my personal takeaways are. So first of all, it was the heart shift versus behavior shift, right? And just talking about how in being a christian it's really more about your heart versus your behavior but listen i think that goes with anything right sometimes people do things to us um and i always talk about well what was the intention versus what they did now this doesn't negate what they did and how they hurt but what was their intention and that kind of reminds me of focusing more on the heart than on the behavior so that was a big gem for me And then the other one is, I think is a good question for you to always ask yourself, where do you place your value? Where are you currently placing your value? And it might be in a really healthy space in most areas and maybe not in another or just totally healthy. So I think it's always good to do like a check-in. Where am I placing my value and asking ourselves that question just so we can do a check-in. And lastly, she talked about expressing your story, of course, to somebody who is safe and who you trust so that things are no longer hidden. As I mentioned to her, that is why people are on this podcast. This is why I do this so that you are not hiding in shame and you don't feel like you're alone and then you can kind of get yourself set free embrace your imperfections, discover the beauty in the mess and truly shine your light. So I really appreciate that, the power of expressing your story so you're not in shame. So those are my takeaways. I would love to hear yours. I'm sure Tina would too. So please tag her or reach out to her if you want to share and also tag me authentically be you on the podcast. And don't forget to rate and subscribe. So, you know, we kind of go up in the charts and other people can hear this and find this um so thank you so much as always for listening were you inspired by this story here are some ways you can shower me and the podcast with your appreciation and support follow rate and review the show on your favorite podcast platform share the podcast via text with your people with your tribe 
Subscribe to the newsletter where I share my personal stories of discovering the beauty within the mess. And lastly, follow me on Instagram at AuthenticallyBU for tips and insights on overcoming perfectionism so you can embrace your imperfections and authentically be you. Thank you so much for listening to the It Didn't Break Me podcast and remember to discover the beauty within the mess.